0: Hey everyone, this is Tom Singer. Before we get started with today's episode, I want to inform you about a special offer that I have to join a brand new group called My Sales Call. If you work for a small business or if you're a solopreneur, having some people to talk about ideas and best practices and to have a focus and accountability around sales is so important. It's so easy to get caught up in the busy work that we don't do what we need to do to drive the sales in our business. So I have started a weekly call where people can get together and share ideas around sales and then make a commitment to the group of what they're gonna accomplish for the next week. It's just like if you work for a big company, your sales manager would have a weekly sales call. This is your sales call. Go to mysalescall.com to find out more and sign up today. I started this podcast almost six years ago with the idea that it would give me access to really smart people who were doing cool things because I know that one thing is true, and that is success leaves clues. And if you're a regular listener of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do, you know, once a month, usually the first Thursday of every month, thereabouts, uh, my show is co produced with the Austin Technology Council. The Austin Technology Council is the largest tech industry organization in Central Texas. They empower their members by using insights, resources, and connections so that their members can succeed and thrive. And today's episode uh, is one of their members. It is Melissa Anthony, and she is the founder and CEO. Of uh, Anthony Barnum PR. And so I've known her forever. So I'm really excited to have her on the show. Hey, Melissa, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do.
1: Thank you, Tom. Great to be here uh, virtually. Yes, as we are with everything. I was right going to say
0: everything these days is is, is kind of virtual. So mm-hmm. uh, that's that's all we got. So you know, I don't actually read the bios that I get from fancy PR people like you. Uh, mm-hmm. I like to let people introduce themselves. So could you give us a little bit of your background and and how you got into starting uh, Anthony Barnum PR?
1: Yeah, so I'm more than happy to. Um, so. I'm a, I like to say this to an Austin audience I am a seventh generation Texan by uh, by birthright Wow Something that gives me special privileges coupons and such <laughs> um, so I am actually on my dad's side I come from a long history of, of just Texans but I, I started my career in New York City in the late 90s where I was recruited into uh, kind of that, Big bubble technology, public relations, and um, I've been working for you know over twenty years in in different types of public relations. What I really found fascinating, even at the very beginning of my career, was how we position technologies and how they impact verticals. Um, you know. Through through earned media, how do we change the narrative? And I got to work on some programs and projects where you could know, really see how people's understanding of how this technology applied to this market really made a difference. So I became really addicted to that from the beginning. I worked for very well a couple of really well known agencies, but um, a little bit after uh, two thousand one, two thousand two, I um, decided to move back to Texas. And my whole family had migrated to Austin. So um, here we are. I, came, I ended up in Austin at the, the precipice, the most depressing moment of their tech bust, and decided that I couldn't get a job. So I would begin this process of um, starting my own shop. That would then lead me by about really 2007 to create Anthony Barnum PR, um, in those years in between Anthony Barnum and landing here, I did. I got to work on some crazy projects, including segments like the energy sector and helping the Czech Republic ascend to the uh, EU. A very random uh, tales and how I got that kind of uh, opportunity, but. Um, Really, I kind of have, and I think all entrepreneurs have this story, you know, you're not, you're not an entrepreneur once, you think you're an entrepreneur once, because to you, it's all interconnected. But the reality is, I was an entrepreneur in 2002, I was an entrepreneur in 2005, and then again, in 2007. But then I was really an entrepreneur in uh, 2016 when I decided to take my existing firm and really go after the profile of company and the type of innovation we were most interested in. And I was most interested in, which led me to work with some of the fastest growing companies in the U S and and that I had to basically kind of blow it all up and start over again from a business model perspective. So to me, I've been an entrepreneur one time and, and yet it's, Taken many many manifestations. <laughs> professionally, I mean, I'm a I'm a public relations strategist. I study the different news cycles, the currents in the media. I analyze concepts to help to frame strategy. Um, so I'm a real veteran of um, of news in terms of looking at, at how we inform people of the um, advancements that are inherent to um, the just mind blowing amount of technology coming on the market.
0: Well, and it is interesting because I've known you since you've been here in Austin at some point, about the time you probably founded it under the the name, Anthony Barnum PR. So little background, why Anthony Barnum?
1: Um, So (laughs) my great, great, great (laughs) grandfather was PT Barnum. And, I did not inherit anything and and nor did I get free tickets to the circus, but it was actually my grandmother's maiden name and um, he was considered the, um, you know, founder of modern public relations. Sure.
0: No, I I, I knew that was the answer. That's why I asked. I love that story.
1: (laughs) It's so random. (laughs) It's so random. (laughs) It's not like you get anything. It's not like I have access to an estate. It's not like I got some... great antique or something it really is just a name.
0: Right, right. Well, I'm not related to the Singer sewing machine people, but I wish I was. I, w- I would have made a great trust fund kid, but uh, that was yeah. that wasn't that, wasn't, that wasn't in the cards. I don't even get coupons. So, cuz I'm not I'm not a native Texan, so I don't get the Texas coupons.
1: Oh, yeah. You gotta, <laughs> I'm sorry. But your children do. My so. children,
0: that's right. My children were born here and they will tell you very clearly that you're not a Texan unless you were born on the soil. So, <laughs> so I um the, the other question I was going to ask you, though, is I know that when you started off, you had a big focus on the Austin community, a lot of the tech community here. And when you sort of, as you said, blew the company up to go after this other thing, you really took the company to this national level. You have been working with some really big uh, companies in tech and beyond to really do this type of stuff. So what was that like? Let's talk about that transition in 2016 mm-hmm. to say we're not just going to work we're not going to be a fish in this pond we're going to go national and we're going to go up higher higher profile companies
1: so i remember the moment i have a a mentor who is renowned for her work with entrepreneurs and she had done all these psych profiles on me. I'm a very psych profiled person, and she's like, "Well, basically, you are the entrepreneur. You are the person that does this." So, you know, she kind of helped me, you know, conceive that. So I come in there one day, we have a meeting, and I'm like presenting my business model concept to her. And and again, she's. She's got a few decades, okay, she's, she's in her 60s, and she's got a master's in accounting and, and a master's in uh, organizational psychology, and she's seen a lot of different rodeos as a COO and even a CEO as herself. And I present my business model kind of like, and she's like, she looks at me like, uh, do you have any idea how high risk that is? And I'm like, nope, I can do it. And um, she was like, okay, we'll go build it because your psych profile says you can do. <laughs> and, and so, I mean, it was literally that, it was really that inane where I was like, okay, I want to work with this type of company and I want to have this, the machine to work with this number of companies based on this formula, based on this method. And she's like, you got to put it all down and organize it. And so, I get in front of this giant software implementation. I have a Salesforce implementation that can walk the dog, dry my clothes, run the company in my place. It's like a robot. Like I built this thing out. And so, I spend about a year obsessing over integrations and technology across the whole company, documenting everything, and and I don't really have a pipeline at this point. and so what I realized is that, it, but I kept, I was like, I know I, I can see where we're getting. I can see where we're getting. And then sometimes I'd admit to where I'd be like, I don't know where I'm going. So it's both that mixture of like, I can see how to get there. You know, I'm not real sure. I'm anywhere close to there right now. <laughs> and, 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 and I'm a pretty good uh, business development person. So I could always close business. But um, not, the, not necessarily at the level I needed to keep pace with the vision that I had and the formula that I had, because um, I didn't have all the systems in place. So I would say that if I think back to 2016, I was both uh, delusional and determined and really capable all at the same time and willing to work through the devil and the details to get to the other side so I think you have to have that combination of not really knowing totally what you're gonna do but kind of thinking you're smart enough to do it you know it's a mixture of denial and um, and and working through the minutia in order to bring it forward
0: so how long did it take from sort of that that time of, of- blowing it up and, and writing all this stuff and, and going all in until you were like, yep, we made it, we did it, look at us go.
1: Yeah, I mean, I won't get into the... I'll Just I, just the way that everything works for me is about data and the alignment of data based on patterns. So I needed to ensure that we had... Um, and let me step back. I've gotten a lot of bad advice. I've gotten a lot of good advice. And all of it has been important, Right. Um, the bad advice and the good advice are almost equally as important. But I knew if I was going to market to Nash to CMOs and VPs of marketing at scale, that um, I really had to have a convincing uh, value proposition. So, I this took a long time, Tom. This this took a long time of believing I was close, and it really was the summer in two thousand eighteen where all my data popped and I realized I had the exact profile of the company that I wanted to work with and the company that really responded to my um, vision for the market. And that the methodology I had built over many years of PR and the market aligned, I found my market and I named my market the Goldilocks. (laughs) And so from there, I could extrapolate out the data formula I presented in 2016. I could extrapolate out to um, go back to my mentor, extrapolate it out and say, if we do this volume of X, we will create this. I've done it, you know, two years later.
0: So so now we're two years past that sort of aha that we've got this figured out and it's working and, and we're moving forward. And now we're in kind of a whole new world. What's going on in the world of sort of this high end strategic PR in the world of COVID? I mean, obviously, things are happening that are different than they would have been otherwise.
1: Yeah. So, um From a business perspective, we were, of March 2020, like other successful businesses, we were on track to grow by, you know, we projected (laughs) revenue over the former year of over 80%.
0: Yeah, I was having my biggest year ever. So, thank you, COVID.
1: Yeah. So, that didn't, that, this put a squelch, at least temporary, I think temporarily, but put a squelchy on um, sort of that massive growth trajectory. And um, there were companies that didn't benefit as well, for, that didn't benefit from the pandemic. I mean, I, I know a lot of people are hurt by this pandemic, but there were companies that were crushed. Technologies for, for obvious things that can't go on right now, like hospita- hospitality, travel. All of those things are, are, are hurting really uh, right now. So what what we found is that as a company, we really... All the things and all the companies we had reached out at other times to and that we had spoken with or not even spoken with found us who had solutions very relevant to the market. Infectious disease platforms, risk management platforms, like we have a lot of that expertise. So when that stuff came out of our um, pipeline, we were were able to really help them. So this meant from the moment, here's my point, from the moment that COVID-19 came on the radar, We were literally working with companies that were um, extremely impactful with meaningful solutions and meaningful technologies. This has meant, since the moment this thing hit, I have been following the media very, very closely and developed kind of case studies and analytics around how the media respond now. And I can tell you, it is a very different world. So you don't do product launches the same way. You don't do the same kinds of... Um, you don't approach the media the same exact way. You have reporters. You have a lot of furloughed reporters right now. And you also have a lot of reporters working from home. So our team had to figure out really, really quickly how we adapt and how we can opt to optimize the outcomes from our clients. for our clients. We also noted, and this is crazy... We keep we have an analytics system. Like I build sometimes I build technology before and processes before I really know what to do with it. Which you know again don't follow me as the uh, you know the greatest way to approach entrepreneurship because sometimes I'm like I think I see how that makes sense. I'm gonna go spend a lot of money and time on it, and then you know I'm sure to, I'm sure I fit into this greater vision I haven't quite figured out. That's you know, kind of how I approach it, but. We, I have this analytics system and really predictive. Uh, I, can help, I can help innovation companies predict their PR outcome based on modeling it in my analytics system. This is, this is why we're successful, because we're able to look at technology, look at the context of the news, and then say, Hey, CMO. Hey, com- hey corporate executive. We believe that you can achieve X, Y, and Z within X y amount of time for X, Y, and Z money. Uh, but with this, that ended up being turned on its ear and we had to have new analytics. And so what is amazing about what's happened is that if you intersect with this, um, with the pandemic, either the outbreak of the endemic pandemic, or the way it's impacted the way we work and live, the metrics are two to three times higher than pre COVID-19 Interesting. Yes, it is. The news cycle is wild. The other thing is, is that even if you're selling, you know, software for toothpaste, I'm exaggerating, you have to be extremely careful of how ultra-partisan even technology conversations are right now. So it's like a pandemic and a general election and, um... And lots of opportunity to be positioned as a thought leader and lots of interest. But it's definitely takes some navigating. It's it's a little crazy.
0: So that's an interesting thing that I've been noticing. and, And I don't want to get political ever on this show. But it seems that there's an underlying line of politicalization of the pandemic and people have to be careful when they're doing PR, don't they?
1: Yes, and so I described this to uh, an executive marketer just before our call. I'm like, "Listen, I I don't get triggered reading the media. Like, I go from conservative outlets to liberal outlets to you know, I have to analyze all of this in order to navigate the 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 landscape on behalf of the company, and I'm just. I'm dead inside to it basically. (laughs) Um, and I can give you a couple of things. First of all, they all misquote a little bit. Okay. They are, there's always a filter and and I don't think it's misquote as much as contextualize it within, um, you know, kind of a narrative that subscribes to the vision of the outlet. And that can sometimes be, uh, if that vision is a neutral outlet, you're going to see more or you're going to see more neutral coverage. Um, I think for companies, what you have to do is you always have to know what reporter you're talking to. And you have to just make sure that the messages that you're delivering your, um, your, the way you're positioning your product and the way that you're positioning your market, you don't reference things that are tripwires right now. Mm -hmm. Or if you do, you understand that you've referenced a tripwire and then you prepare for a response to it. Mm -hmm. So,
0: Melissa, what advice would you have? And I'm going to ask for PR advice, not entrepreneurial advice, because you're one of the best experts I know on this. For a company who's listening, who for whatever project they have coming up, what advice would you have for people in sort of this situation we're in and maybe maybe where we'll be in the summer? What do people need to be thinking about in regards to PR?
1: I don't have to give you advice. I will tell you what I've seen. My most experienced client CEOs and their most experienced marketers, those are the people who are investing in thought leadership right now. And the reason is, is because they know that in tumultuous markets, they can um, they can gain market share. So I'm, I'm, I'm talking about that from both the business and the PR perspective. Because um, it really is startling to me how so, some of these CEOs of these companies, their clients of ours, are so committed, even more committed to their brand and to thought leadership right now. And that tells me, as a uh, both an entrepreneur and a PR strategist, that that teaches me a lot from a good old fashioned. I want to do, I'm interested in PR. I don't understand a lot about PR. What do I need to know? You know, I will say that, again, the metrics and the ability to uh, be positioned as a thought leader right now when you have meaningful insights is, you know, at a pace that I've never seen before in my 23 years in public relations. So it's a real special opportunity. But I also would um, remind folks that the best outcome is going to be one where you take a little bit more time to do the thought leadership and make sure that you really get the opportunity to get in front of um, the the median audiences that are most important to you.
0: So if somebody is nodding their head saying, yes, now is the time for thought leadership. Let's break that down. What does that really mean for the, the company and for maybe the company leader? How, how do you get out there?
1: So the... There's a lot of different types of PR. So PR for technology platforms, the highest um, value and the most high cadence PR. Let me define high cadence PR. High cadence PR is going to be anywhere from you know four placements a month to twenty placements a month. It's just a higher cadence of of earned media that are that you. where you own the narrative. You're not mentioned, you own the narrative. The most productive avenue for achieving that is going going to be through what's called product thought leadership. Thought leadership and being an expert just to be an expert doesn't have a lot of value if it's not ringing back to the core differentiation of the offering on the market that your company provides. So what you want to do is you want to really nestle your thought leadership in context of um, the differentiation and the pain points of your market. So the way that you do that is by extrapolating um, narratives that also intersect with your product thought leadership in the current media news environment. And so that's really about going and connecting with the reporters that are going to be interested in the subject matter and um, developing a conversation and a dialogue to help them fulfill their mission of reporting to, um, to their audience. Right. And that audience could be a national business audience. That audience could be a trade audience. So, so that's really kind of the clearest way and the most high value type of PR. A lot of people are, you know, yes, there are, there are, Press releases and there are news alerts and there's press conferences, but in terms of really moving the needle on people's understanding, your market's understanding of the impact of your technology, that's going to really take this more product thought leadership conversation that really is a dialogue with the media.
0: That's awesome. So I've got a couple more questions for you before I can let you go. But first, I have to thank the sponsor of this episode. So this episode, it is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly, they take the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. And I know some of you listeners want to start a podcast. Podfly, they do all the heavy lifting and that pesky technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really cool people like Melissa Anthony. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer they have for the listeners of this show. So this particular episode, Melissa, is co-sponsored by the Austin Technology Council. And although your company has gone national and you work with brands all over the place, I want to take this back to a little bit of a focus on our town here of Austin. What's great about the tech community in Austin?
1: Uh, Bar none, Uh, the the greatest reason to be in Austin, Texas, first of all, it's in Texas. Okay. (laughs) But second of all, because the talent is absolutely unbelievable in uh, this city. And it's this giant magnet for um, the most (laughs) intelligent, logical people. It's amazing. I am always stunned. I think that's what is the absolute, uh, backbone of our tech community is just the enormous amount of talent that this community attracts.
0: And how do you think Austin will do faring our way out of uh, said recession that we're about to to be in for a little while?
1: Well, I'm, I'm very optimistic about um, Austin. I'm very optimistic about America and I'm very optimistic about Texas always because I think, um, I think that we have some tools in place, and we have the wherewithal to um, begin to move out of this, open up our economy, and, and we're, we're not going to stop. You know, it's been amazing to be and you know small business owners and innovators and see them just fight through the time. So, people made some, some people, some businesses had to make some hard decisions right now. And, um, you know, I see Austin as a place that just naturally fosters community and we're going to go out and support each other as this as we begin to move through it as we get comfortable with the reopening as we you know support businesses even in remote capacities we we we're not going to we're not going to let down our community. We're going to go out there and do what we have to do to to fire back up this engine. Plus, we're a very technology uh, driven economy, and um, you know, even if we're conducting economic activity remotely, we're going to continue to innovate for the country. I mean, that's really what many of the companies and many of the innovators have done here. We're not just innovating here for ourselves. So, I think we're very well positioned, but I also think that has to, that goes back to. You know, the fact that just Austinites and Texans just get out there and get it done. <laughs> you know, they're uh, they're just willing to take those chances. They're willing to go out and get it done.
0: So I call this show "Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do." What is the coolest thing you're doing in business right now?
1: Oh, that's a big. That's a big question. I think the coolest thing I'm doing, and I even said this to um, a colleague, a a strategist friend of mine, is that, you know, I'm living my dream because I'm working with the most innovative companies in the country and I'm helping them um, establish their um, innovation in markets. And I I just, for me, I mean, the, the, Innovation, technology—sort of nerd and geek that I am—I love that. I'm very gratified doing it, and I've enjoyed. Though I'm, uh, of course, very saddened about the impact of the pandemic. I feel um, I feel a little bit privileged to have been able and continue to be able to to communicate the amazing technologies that are going to enable us to get life. Back on track, you know that's that's been a real privilege. I don't, I don't, I'm not watching it. I'm I'm in the midst of those conversations and looking at the, the technologies and the solutions that I, I'm telling you we have more productive technology than we even understand. We had to just look at all of that technology globally and connect a bunch of dots really fast. <laughs> so we have a lot of assets to get us out of this.
0: Well, it's like I've been using Zoom for five years, right? I, I record my podcast over it. I have since almost the beginning. And, uh, you know, I have the Enterprise account. I use it for, for things. My daughter uses the Enterprise account. She's going to be going to college next year. And the, the class of 24 at her college uses my Zoom account in order to have like hangouts with like hundreds of people. Um, and they'll split up into, into meeting rooms of like six or seven. So it's like hanging out in the dorm room so they can make friends during this weird time. And yet, you know we probably wouldn't have been this deep into this technology two months ago as we are now. And so it's that's, that's just one example of we had the tech like, I always say it was like the Ruby slippers. We had it all along. We just weren't using it yet.
1: I'll tell you, I'll give you a couple of examples. Um, you know, I'm working on and working with a company that has a remarkable testing solution that will literally enable us to track infectious disease and diagnose it in, in no other way that we've been able to in history. I'm, I'm going to leave it there since we're um, kind of under a lot of confidentiality about the technology. But and, and there's some amazing things going on on that front. I'm, I'm working with another company that has a very well. It's a NASA technology, and this technology converts humidity in the air into um, hydrogen peroxide. I'm not saying that correctly. It's not peroxide. It's a kind of a sister to it. And, and it literally kills this NASA technology, which has been around, literally kills um, germs on surfaces. So it's an amazing. Um, the, we just didn't pale. It's been used in doctor's offices for uh, many many years we just weren't paying attention to it
0: yeah it was here all um, along and we just we just it wasn't it wasn't fa- it wasn't it fa- wasn't urgent now we're like how do we kill
1: rna and dna based infectious contagions on surfaces and there's actually a solution <laughs> for that um, and, and if you want to learn more about that it's air and surface pro.com for more information on that but it is an amazing i mean there's stuff out there that yeah, I'm reading about this technology and I'm like, we have so many answers. We just got to put the puzzle pieces together. I, w- I will say, though, that, you know, I, I do feel like the things that we're having to wrestle with, you know, this whole pan. we're blind to the true reach of this virus. We're blind to this thing. I mean, we're we're just shining a light on the fraction of it that we see. And so, um, even though I think we have a lot of great technologies that can help us manage forward, I, I think that we have, um, you know, we're, we're stuck dealing with a pretty complex set of situations with Mm -hmm. knowing how far, how far we've already been, you know, invaded and and how far this thing has already moved through our, um, country. So it's a, and how long it's going to last, we have a lot more unknowns than, um, then we have answers.
0: Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Well, Melissa, Anthony, thank you so much for giving of your time and coming and being a guest here on cool things. Entrepreneurs do. If someone's listening to this and they need to know more about you, or maybe they want to find out about Anthony Barnum PR, how how do they do that?
1: Yeah. So you can visit us at anthonybarnum.com. Alternatively, you can reach us at 512-619-9454. Melissa, Said Anthony Barnum. I always keep the short version of my email, you know, because <laughs> keep it easy. There was a time when it was just Melissa <laughs> at Anthony Barnum.
0: <Barrow. laughs> <laughs> sure, well, now, now there's a lot more people than just Melissa, but that's that is that is awesome. Uh, and again, thank you for being here, and thank you to everybody who tuned in, and, and and thank you to the Austin Technology Council. I love this partnership that we've now had for about a year and a half, uh, where once a month they provide the guests and we always get such amazing guests. Uh, Uh, in this co-produced episode so thank you for being part of that and for those of you who tune in i say it every single time if it wasn't for the audience why would we do the show so uh, if you like the show review the show on apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcast love send me a note we're on all the social medias at cool podcast or at tom singer we're going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody just as cool as melissa anthony and you're thinking what how will that ever happen That happens every week. Uh, And so just tune in and see who we have next time. But in the meantime, go out there, flex your entrepreneurial muscles. Make sure your ladder is against the right wall as you climb that corporate ladder. Make sure you're doing the right things for you. And while you're at it, have some fun and have a great day.